Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as he makes all things new. We are excited to pursue his heart for the greatest city on earth and the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humble Park. In our series, still, um, Living with Expectation, Bold Women of Faith in Scripture, that we're learning these wonderful lessons from women God has used to show us, to give us a glimpse of a future that didn't exist in the current times in Scripture. And today, we are exploring Mary of Bethany. Some people say that Mary of Magdalene and uh, Mary of Bethany were the same person, um, but the designation of where she was from shows that they were probably different people. She was a woman who had this encounter with Jesus and poured out this costly anointing oil upon the feet of Jesus. As this, Jesus said it was preparing him for his burial, but as this extravagant act of worship. And I think, I don't know if I've ever really taught on worship, maybe once before. But it is uh, pretty important. You can always tell the importance of something based on its priority in a church service, right? Half of the service is worship. The other half is scripture. When we live in a Western culture, we really concentrate on scripture and the intellectual connection with God. But the encounter with him is also very important. And you remember Mary and Martha. You have the right brain and the left brain. The, the one who was busy making stuff in the kitchen and the one who sat at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus said, Mary has chosen a better way. And all the administrators go, crap. <laughs> Who's supposed to make the sandwiches? Come on. You know, like, somebody's got to go to the store. Somebody's got to make a list. <laughs> like, what's going on with that? But there's something about when we come before the Lord with our whole hearts and worship him, that all the things that we have to do, the millions of things on our list, kind of fade to the background and we're just left with Jesus. We're, we're just left at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him, and we come back to our problems and it's not like they may have disappeared. They, they don't just poof, all right, they're gone, but we're changed. And so we approach him from a different place. We approach him from a different place of being you know, um, impatient, frustrated, anxious. We approach him from a place of being joyful before the Lord. This is from Matthew 26 and 6. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil. And she poured it on his head and he, as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, Wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Imagine that, an act that is so astounding to Jesus, 
People are going to tell this story forever. Our attempts to enter eternity are fruitless without the worship of Jesus. Time is always better spent than worshiping Jesus, right? There are always ways that we can get credit for what we do besides simply raising our hands or turning our heart towards him. And that's what I love about this. Mary of Bethany had a little experience with Jesus, being that she was a sister of Martha and also the sister of Lazarus, who was raised from the dead. Jesus said that crows don't have a place, a nest to, to go in, and I don't have a place to rest my head. But if he did have a place he called home, it was the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So much so that on his journey to the cross, that Passion Week that we call it, he spent the night in Bethany and taught in Jerusalem in the daytime. And then went from Bethany back to Jerusalem, from Bethany back to Jerusalem. This was a place that was like home for him. And Mary won who knew how to worship Jesus. And God honors the sacrifice. Much is made about the cost of the oil. It was a year's wages. Anyway, the oil cost something. As all of our oil costs something. In that culture, it came from olives, and it was a crushing that had to happen before the oil was produced. And here we are, walking around with this precious ointment in a flask. But will we pour it out before him who is worthy of all things? I had a dream once, and I was, you know, at a uh, Kmart. (laughs) Does anybody remember Kmart? I guess they don't exist now anyway. (laughs) I I was like on a stage at a Kmart. And I was, it was like a church in a Kmart. <laughs> and I was speaking to people, you know, the blue light was going off. <laughs> and uh, I turned around, and when I turned back, everybody was gone. And I'm like, God, what does this dream mean, Lord? I mean, you're in a Kmart. And what I got from that is that God has not called us to a low-cost gospel. He's not called us to a value gospel. He's not called us to a place where no sacrifice happens. That we, of course, we would choose a hard road because we're Westerners and whatever that may be, and we'll choose hard work instead of obedience, which sometimes may just be the easy work, the easy thing. But becomes harder in a place where we've been hurt so much that I'm going to protect every bit of comfort that I have. That our worship as a sacrifice, it should cost something. It should cost us. And what did this cost Mary? If not but her dignity and the oil itself. And I think we are so used to fighting on our own that it doesn't seem very advantageous to worship Jesus in the middle of what's going on. It doesn't seem like that would make any sense. 
Why would, how, how could worship be the best way for me to fight something? And sacrifice be the best way to resist the need to avoid pain. But it is how we really explore the goodness of God. That we pour, a part of being poured into is that we should be pouring back out. That we are so good at saving, we're so good at budgeting, we're so good at like getting more, I need more God, I need more money, I need more knowledge, I need more, 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 and it never exits. All these things that Jesus is worthy for, worthy of, and we stand before him and go, ah, that's not enough. Jesus pours out his life for us. It's not enough. I need, I need like a little more. I need something else. And it's like worship that shows the value and the expense and the extravagance of his sacrifice for us. Like I like to say, we know we are called to worship because when you raise your hands, you make a W. It's like the core of who God has made us to be. And why does the enemy hate worship? Why? Because it's something that we do out of free will that he wouldn't do, and it was his job. And it pisses him off for us to go, I will worship Jesus out of the fruit and love in my heart. One of the first things that goes, and that's happened for me when I'm going through a tough time, is my ability to worship Jesus not just here, but anywhere that I am. And I promise you, you raise your hands consistently and your problems will recede into the distance. What is that song, Fix Your Eyes on Jesus? And the cares of this world will become very small. That it is worship as a sacrifice. And worship is also an offering. After the ark had been moved around so much and somebody had died because the ark fell over, an ark of, this co- of the covenant was like a chest. And in that chest was the Ten Commandments, um, the tablets that God had written the Ten Commandments on. And it contained the very presence of God. Imagine that, having a, to go to a specific location to receive the presence of God. All that broke down once the Holy Spirit came, but you had to go to a specific place to do that. And David was excited about this ark, this physical chest, returning back to Jerusalem. So much so that he danced in front of it. He celebrated. Um, it, he, sent, he had a sacrifice going constantly every step of the way back to Jerusalem. And then they get there and he dances and he dances out of his outer priestly garments. And people are like, you are, you are undignified. You're a king. What are you doing? And this is his response. And I will be more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. That people, Michael in particular, 
his wife was looking at him, looking down upon him because he was worshiping God with all of his heart. I promise you will never regret worshiping God with all of your heart. You will never regret it. But what it will do is it will force others around you to really take account of their heart. And why do we hold back so much our reticence from God? Because it may not work out. You know what I'm saying? We may be disappointed. I'm going through a situation that may not be exactly work out the way that it's supposed to. So, I mean, I'm just going to keep some in the bank. You know what I mean? We talked about budgeting. I'm going to keep some back just in case I need it. And what makes us need that is doing that. Not laying our life down for Jesus. We go through him with percentages. You know, what about 25%, 27 right now, Lord? And then, you know what I'm saying? I'll get you to 35. <laughs> By the end of the year, we'll be at 35. Then we're at 50. You know what I'm saying? He's like, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Like, even when we talk about generosity, we talk about finances, it's it, with 10%, people balk at that like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. And I'm not talking to a lot of people in this church because you guys are very generous in the way that you give. But people balk at the 10%. You know what the, new, what the kingdom paradigm is? All. Jesus said to the rich young ruler, give away everything and follow me. We're like, 10%, I don't know. This, that's crazy, man. And Jesus is like, eh, I'm always raising the bar. And in um, the Old Testament, they would just sacrifice once a year to atone for sins. Pour blood on the mercy seat. And Jesus says, man should not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Sacrifice is a daily understanding of how much God has given us. How much he has laid down his life. And the kingdom doesn't work in percentages. It just doesn't. Because we don't really work in percentages. God can work out anything. You know what I'm saying? But he doesn't want to negotiate with He doesn't negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> it's like, I'm not negotiating with you. I gave you, I gave you my only son. I, ain't no negotiation. You come to me fully, bless you, or not. This is what I desire. I'm like, dang, God, is there another way? No, there's, there's no other way except for all. All of your lunch, then it can be multiplied. All of the oil in the jar, you broke it so it makes sure there's nothing left. Everything. That's the way it works in the kingdom. Everything. We give to the Lord. The church stands in proxy. But trust me, you know what I'm saying? I've, I've tried to, you know, be one toe in, one toe out, and it, it, that's how you hurt yourself, you know what I mean? You ever been in a pool and you're just like, eh. <laughs> it's like, nah, you're going to slip and bust your head. Just like either get in or stay out. <laughs> Worship is this offering before the Lord. And later on in 2 Samuel, David is told by his, he has a prophet and he has a seer. Nathan was his prophet. Gad was his seer. 
Both of them would go before the Lord, hear from the Lord, and then tell him exactly what he needed to do. Gad, his seer, said, it's time for you to build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of some land that belongs to someone. So David goes to him, and the man says, you know what? I'll give you the threshing floor free. It was a political move. I'll give it to you for nothing. You just go ahead and build your altar to the Lord and and sacrifice to him. It's going to be awesome. And this is David's response to him. The king said to Arana, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. A king, of course, could be honored, but he knew as a worshiper that his worship had to have a value assigned to it. And that's what I'm, the question is, what are we offering to the Lord? This is not mainly a sermon about finance. It's like where your treasure is, your heart will be also. It's, like, it's not about that. It's about what, what can I offer to the Lord? Nothing. <laughs> like, what does he need from me? Nothing. What do I have that he really desires? Nothing. But you know what? I'm going to try. I'm going to try and give him all the worship and praise and tell him how worthy he is every moment of my life because he is so worthy. And I become aware of who he is. It is so much easier for us to worship other things than God. You're like, I don't worship anything else. You know, you've been to a concert lately. It's like a worship service for artists. You know what I'm saying? Oh my God, yeah, that's my song. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. We come to church, we're like, <laughs> Taylor Swift, oh my God. <laughs> I don't know. We worship so many other things that are not worthy. Sports, not worthy. Sports teams, not worthy compared to Jesus. And this price that we have to pay, man. At this sweet fragrance to the Lord based on a cost to us. Every time that we're crushed, every time we move through pain to believe, we are like filling up this little vial of oil. This is why this story is so prophetic of Mary of Bethany, breaking it before the Lord, a year's worth of wages. So much more for us that we're filling this little thing of oil. All of our, this is all of our lives. And our lives are meant to be just poured out before the Lord as an offering. Laid before him. I work. I do everything that I do. I believe. I sacrifice just so I can give it back to you, God. To show that I really, in an iota, maybe, understood the sacrifice that you gave to us. And look at, my, look at the way that my oil, I fought for it. 
which is why the ten virgins would not give their oil away. It's important. And our worship continues to feel that. One of the most beautiful times in ministry I ever had was I was in Redding, California, and we would go to this home full of Alzheimer patients, and we would go in and have a worship service, and folks would come alive. A lot of people couldn't move, a lot of people couldn't sing or do nothing like that, but the worship would really touch folks. And then we would visit people and then lead people to the Lord and then come back to two weeks later and find out they passed away. This is the beauty of us doing something that may seem a little hard right now, like we got to press through a little bit. We have to believe we got to trust people when we've already decided that we can't trust anyone. But it has big ramifications when it comes to eternity. And this is the way worship is. And that's why I always break a sweat. This is what's necessary for us to maintain the presence of God, the grace of God, the love of God, that he comes when we call Hello, child. And of course, praise and worship is so important because Jesus is descended from the tribe of Judah. And Judah means what? Praise. This is our way we touch heaven. And lastly, worship is a sacrifice, worship is an offering, and worship is warfare. I'm going to read this passage from Second Chronicles 20:14 through 23. It's a little long, so um, I just it's so tasty though. I just wanted to read the whole thing, so I will. So they're trying to decide. Jehoshaphat, how exactly we are supposed to um, fight against these kings. And so what they would do is they would gather prophetic men and they would be like, okay, who's the spirit of the Lord going to fall on? <laughs> we, need to hear from, we need to hear from the Lord. Who's got the butter today? <laughs> so after they're gathered and they're already making war preparations, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jaleel, the son of Matani, a Levite, the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Zeus, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not, be, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his face to the ground 
And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of all the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korathites stood up and praised to the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and your inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness. As they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end to the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. It's crazy that God doesn't need your help to fight your battles. He really doesn't need your help. And this is akin to the story of Gideon, where he defeats the Amalekites without a weapon at all. Praise and worship as warfare. I was talking to somebody this week. They're like, man, this city, it just like feels so oppressive. It feels so like they're from, you know, they're from California. So <laughs> it's like, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's easier to worship God in California. Yes, Lord, thank you for the sunshine. And the winter comes here. We're like, Ugh. <laughs> we are the forsaken people. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's like easy, like, yes, sing a happy song. But here, it can be like, it can feel like a, an oppression, a place that kind of chokes the spirit, the Holy Spirit. But there is something about worship that will break through anything. And if all that comes out of this fast is we are slightly better worshipers, it will be a wonderful success. Because God is always calling us more into freedom. And as we worship freely here in our context, that freedom is communicated and displayed to those who come in who are feeling oppressed and feeling shackled by all the things that happen spiritually in the city. This is how we advance the agenda of God here on earth. Worship will unlock the adventure of transformation. And as I like to put it, what do you think we're going to be doing for all eternity? We're not going to be listening to sermons. (laughs) Scripture is awesome. You know what I'm saying? Listening to Jesus preach his own words will be amazing. We're going to be worshiping God because our awareness and his presence of how wonderful he is will be so overwhelming that all we can do is throw our hands up and say, holy, holy, holy for a thousand years. Imagine that. The beauty of worshiping Jesus. And we can see him. But you know what? We can can worship him in his presence now. The Holy Spirit is Jesus. Jesus is the Holy Spirit 
The Holy Spirit is the Father. The Father is the Son. The Holy Spirit is all three in one, right? Three in one. That means when we sit in worship or we sit in a service and we feel God's presence, it is Jesus. It is him with us. How beautiful and wonderful that is. And all I want us is to have a culture and an environment of not drumming stuff up, not making things up, but you are free enough to do what you feel. I'm not asking you to make something up. I'm asking you to be free enough because apparently that is opportunity to know that the Spirit of God is here. Where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. Where is freedom, the Spirit of God is. That if you would like to sing out, that you would sing out with all of your heart. If you would like to run around a sanctuary, you would run around a sanctuary with all your heart. All these things are responses to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords showing up. And this is the best thing that we could do for this city. Is be free in the way that we worship God. Not just here, but even out there. Sing songs with your heart. I don't know if I can do that, Lord. I don't sing very well. He said, with your heart. <laughs> Everybody has a good voice in their head, right? <laughs> like, dang, I sound like Mariah Carey in my head. <laughs> but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Psalm 22 and 3. I drew a picture of what I thought that would look like. Us, God being enthroned in the praises of his people. That he's finding his way to come to us. The crazy thing about Psalm 22 is this section begins with God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The words uttered by Jesus on the cross. Remembering, but you are holy and you are enthroned in the praises of Israel or the praises of your people. That when we worship with all of our hearts in freedom, God goes, there's a place where I can go rest. There's a place where I can go inhabit. You guys want to stand up? <laughs>